Do you know your tendonitis from your spondylitis? Below par with PMR? No nout about gout? Rheumatology.physio is teeming with content to engage with. Downloads, books, courses and more to address any gaps in your knowledge. Head to rheumatology.physio, your one-stop shop for rheumatology information. Welcome to another episode of Chewing It Over with myself, Justin, and I'm glad to be joined by the one and only Nick Levidas with us today. So Nick, what is a corticosteroid injection and is it actually harmful to knee osteoarthritis? Um, well, it's an injection that is widely used uh, within MSK practice and orthopedics and, and has been since the late 1950s now. So the, these things have been around for 70 years. And within that time, we've seen a pretty steady um, pattern of practice to, to use corticosteroid injections for the treatment of osteoarthritis and, and soft tissue disorders. Um, but particularly for the knee, you're, you're right in, in questioning their safety. Um, and that is something in the therapy life talk. We'll certainly kind of go down and explore in more detail to give um, to give the kind of the, the audience that evidence based perspective of where we are seventy years on from us starting to use corticosteroid injections for knee osteoarthritis. Yeah, I think it would also be helpful to maybe start from how you get into injection in the first place. I know we've sort of spoke a little bit off air about how you got into it. So maybe you can share that with the audience, like how you got into injection, how are you finding it and what's the, or is there any changes um, for the past um, 10 to 15 years, shall we say? Yeah, so I, I kind of started my um, injection therapy practice about 15 years ago. Um, and physiotherapists have been using injection therapies, been within our scope to do so um, from about 1995, 96, I think it has been. And, and in that time, it, it, there's been a steady growth in the number of courses available for, for, for UK physiotherapists. Uh, with that has come the uh, non-medical prescribing route for many. Um, and, and both in NHS and private practice, we see a number of clinicians using injection therapy skills Um and, and that for me is a positive for, for the profession yeah. to kind of um, extend their scope to include injection therapy. Um, but it's got to be based on sound clinical reasoning. And as part of my role as a, a tutor on an injection course at Eastside University, that's something I'm really passionate about, that, that we kind of can develop a programme of learning that, that meets the, the, the CSP, our professional body um, guidelines, for, for what a programme should look like. And then equip students with this knowledge, skills, and, and appropriate attributes to, to use this skill within a robust clinical reasoning framework. Mm. So I know you, you sort of mentioned about sound clinical reasoning, because being a practitioner myself, I've heard stories or at least um, see, see sort of like real life scenario whereby patients could easily get access to in injections without trying some physiotherapy first which is slightly different to what or definitely from how i was educated like it should be the last resort or almost second to last resort as a rehab or treatment pathway is that the case or would you agree with that statement and if yes why are we still seeing cases where whereby patients could just get access to injections really easily 
I think if we look at the nice guidance that, that we have that was updated in October 2022, yeah. so we've got pretty, pretty recent updated guidance on the use of corticosteroid injections. And you're right, that guidance does suggest that first-line core therapy is advice, therapeutic exercise, and weight loss. And following that, it would usually go along the pattern of well, what pharmacological options are available. Yeah. The nice uh, OA guidance from late last year suggested that anti-inflammatories appear to be the first line um, pharmacological option. Beyond that, it would seem sensible to then look at corticosteroid injections. And, and within the nice guidance, they do state explicitly that the corticosteroid injection should be considered, excuse me, if they're not suitable for first-line um, pharmacological measures mm. or to facilitate in adherence to exercise. And I think that's the area sometimes that maybe a steroid injection is offered earlier if someone's level of pain okay. is not enabling them to engage in an appropriate therapeutic exercise and rehabilitation. Mm. So having this kind of linear stepped approach to when a steroid injection is offered probably isn't great clinical reasoning. If we feel actually someone's level of pain, their impact on their sleep and their ability to engage in um, you know, rehab and therapeutic exercise is affected. So, so maybe in some instances it might come earlier. Okay. Yeah, that, that is a good point. Um, with the use of corticosteroid injection, um, certainly it varies from um, clinician to clinician because the indication to administer it inject the knee will based on, let's say, the patient's presentation. If we take two pa patients, one with like more pain, and if it's clinically indicated, we would have injected them. In your experience, what would be some of the indicators that would make you incline more towards injection? And what would be the contraindication not to do so for knee OA? Yeah, that's a great question. And look, we, li we live in a personalised care world now, don't we, in terms of how we approach decisions. And I think as clinicians, we talk about, I would not inject in this instance, or I would inject in that yeah. instance. With the emphasis there on the word I, yeah. actually, as in a personalised care approach, it's, it's always a we, because that decision is very rarely a paternalistic one by the clinician it should be an appropriate shared decision with the patient. And that, that's why it's sometimes tricky to say, in this instance, I would inject, or in another instance, I, yeah. I wouldn't inject. Because actually, it's our responsibility to discuss this as an option with patients when, when indicated. Part of that discussion is around the risks, um, the benefits, and where possible, um, trying to evidence those risks and benefits on, yeah. on sound available literature. And I think as, um, as a lot of the research has demonstrated, clinicians and patients probably overestimate the benefits of, of improvements from steroid injections and other treatments, mm. and probably underestimate the risks. Okay. Now, one thing that we have got now, for, thanks for NHS England and, and the personalised care team, um, is these beautiful shared decision aids, uh, which are published on the NHS England website. And increasingly, those are a really nice way to engage in that conversation with a patient because they've got, they're written in layperson's language, um, they've got pictures, they've got infographics, and it really outlines nicely for a patient. You, you know what? The benefit of this is um, 
lasting typically between two weeks and 10 weeks. And, and that's what NICE now tells us. Mm -hmm. um, and if we look at the decision aid, it, it, it presents it beautifully well that if 100 people were to have a steroid injection, the NEOA, it would benefit 50. Which then means when you're having a conversation and they might say, you know, I think this might help me. We can now lean on the, the decision aid, which is supported by evidence to say, well, you know, if 100 people were to have this, it would help about 50. Mm. And the other 50 wouldn't help. It's a bit like flipping a coin. Yeah. Sometimes that's really um, quite illuminating for patients that, that didn't appreciate, actually. It's not great odds, you know? Um, yeah. And then when, we, when the patient says, well, how long will it last for? We now have nice guidance to suggest that we should be telling patients that this will be short term. And the typical duration is between two weeks and 10 weeks. So, you know, as clinicians, sometimes we're under a bit of pressure from a patient, maybe our colleagues, to offer a steroid injection. And often patients' perceptions of that injection is that it's a panacea, it's a cure. Yeah. You know? Or I can have them repeatedly over and over again. But when presented with the evidence of there's a 50% chance this might help you, it's going to last between two and 10 weeks. I'd then follow that up with a question to, to the patient to say, well, what are your thoughts on that? And quite often the patient's thoughts are then, oh, that doesn't sound great. Yeah. What other options did you say there was? And then yeah. you might kind of just track back a little bit and revisit some of the options of lifestyle changes, you know, improved sleep and weight loss and physical activity and, you know, mindfulness and, and all those other approaches that we know to work well for persistent pain problems. Yeah. So one thing that's definitely changed my practice is like maybe coming from like a more medical background or culture, we always think like, right, orthopedic interventions are always like the golden ticket. Um, and, and then everything would be, oh, once there's um, some intervention in, things would be better. But then with things like decision aids, really good quality evidence-based information and presenting in a more understandable way according to the health literacy it's definitely something that would change um the patient's perspective of oh actually like what you said the odds are not that great um yeah i know you've m touched on a little bit about benefits what about the risks of um neoa and i know you probably will tell a little bit more during the th therapy life talk but potentially give us a little bit of um information a yeah. li little bit of teaser yeah, so it's really probably over the last three to four years that um, we've started to develop some evidence. Yeah. For many years, decades, there's always been this, this thought of there may be a risk of chondrotoxicity, so a negative effect of the steroid on the articular surface of the joint. But we've never had any literature or evidence to support that. That was largely based on anecdotal um, perception, usually from surgeons that will say, I can tell a person who's had a lot of steroid injections because the cartilage in the knee looks, looks terrible. Yeah. Um, but now we're starting to see longitudinal studies that have looked at okay. repeat injections and have had appropriate follow-up for two years and even up to five years yeah. that have looked at cartilage changes in that time and what that does to cartilage for, for someone who has repeated corticosteroid injections. So that, that, that's one concern that's that mm -hmm. starting to develop. The evidence is by no means conclusive, so there's still okay. some question marks around that. But there's also the risk um, of having a steroid injection too close to surgery. 
and that may pose a risk to um, uh, post-arthroplasty infection. So you know, given the waiting list at the moment, that might be less of a concern, but certainly yeah. anything usually under six months, that it may increase the risk of a, a, a post-surgical infection. Yeah. Um, th there's the other risks of um, general infection because cell injections are immunosuppressive. Yeah. And certainly there was a spotlight on them during COVID period. Yeah. Um, and the other risk I think is, is spoke about a little bit less is that we may be over-medicalizing the condition. And in some instances, making patients maybe more dependent on, on this me medical intervention. Um, and sometimes that's at the, the risk of us focusing less on the lifestyle changes. So that's potentially another risk as well. Yeah. And Jack March would be de delighted to hear this because a lot of, well, I think as a profession, we have definitely gotten better from saying less and less wear and tear. And more and more, it's a low-grade inflammatory condition that can be influenced by a lot of things. And I think that is largely affected how by how we <coughs> place the narrative of osteoarthritis. Because if we say it's wear and tear, the first thing that patients would think is, right, I need to change it. Or if we say it's potentially like an age-related condition that probably can be affected by a lot of things, lifestyle, sleep, weight, that changes and that potentially is a good way in. Um, so yeah, that is something that I found quite in interesting from an education and from a narrative point of view. How does injection fit into that? Like, let's say you have a patient in front of you um, wanting an injection. How would you tackle that topic? You're right. The general perception from the public is that osteoarthritis is a wear and tear condition. Um, it's only inevitable that it, that it will get worse with time. And that's something we now know more than ever. It's not the case. There's, there's modifiable aspects of this and, and the pathogenesis of OA, we don't fully understand yet, but we know more now than we ever did. And we know now there's also nociplastic aspects of osteoarthritis yeah. of the knee, which may be amenable to therapies. In terms of the, you know, the lifestyle changes, the adoption of increased physical activity, which we know to be good for cartilage, um, maybe improved sleep, um, other aspects about maybe tackling some of their erroneous beliefs around osteoarthritis. Sometimes clinicians will look at an injection as a, as a way to open a window of opportunity because patients will typically say, look, I know I need to exercise more. I, I know yeah. I maybe need to lose some weight, but I'm really struggling because of the pain I'm in. And the patient will sometimes say, I was hoping a steroid injection would ease my pain to enable me a period to start getting active again and, and, and start on that, that road to losing weight, getting more active and returning to meaningful activities in the life that they enjoy. So it's that window of opportunity you sometimes hear. Mm. The only problem with that for me, in my mind, and this is my personal biases, I don't know how many patients actually jump through that window once it's open. Mm. Anecdotally, personally, I might see a patient, you know, a year later and, you know, we'll chat about what, what they did after the injection and they'll say it was great. And, you know, it lasted six weeks or eight weeks or three months. So, okay, what did that enable you to do more that you maybe weren't before? And often they're a bit cheapish and say, well, actually, nee. I know I should have maybe, you know, done the exercises and, and I was planning to go to escape pain or whatever it might be to get more active, but I knee felt great. So, 
I, I didn't bother and now it's back again and I was kind of hoping for another injection. So we create that window of opportunity, but maybe we don't always work on the behavioral change skills needed to then get that next step of a patient taking up the increased yeah. activity, better sleep, weight loss. Yeah. How would you manage that patient? Just out of curiosity. That's a tricky one. I, I try and yeah. kind of, and I'm no expert in motivational interviewing, but I'll yeah. try and kind of lean on some of the motivational interview techniques or trying to kind of elicit from that person um, the why in terms of the benefit to them and their life yeah. of being more active. Yeah. Or from their perspective, what is it about life they want to return to? How important is it to them that they return to that activity, whether it's gardening, you know, playing with the children, going bowls, looking after the allotment, whatever it might be, and trying to kind of use those MI-type skills to try and kind of facilitate that behavioural change. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes that, that can be useful. Sometimes it's useful to kind of ensure appropriate follow-up after the injection, whether that's with you as the injecting clinician or a, or a physio colleague. Mm. That might be needed to try and kind of facilitate that next step of, yes, I'm feeling great now. Okay, how do we help you achieve your functional goals in life? Now we've got this window of opportunity. Um, because of how stretched services are, sometimes that might not always happen. Um, yeah, it makes sense. But, but that might be a factor that might help facilitate that patient then maybe using that pain reduced period to get more active. Yeah. It definitely sounds to me that it, with injections for knee osteoarthritis is definitely more than a simple needle in, needle out. There's definitely a lot more to consider, um, even from the aspects of using shared decision-making tools to motivational interviewing to understanding what is it that they want to do and making sure that the patients understand what they're up against. Because most of the people probably won't have a clue about how corticosteroid injections work, they only know I wanted to get rid of my pain. And and the truth is definitely, well, there's definitely a lot more, shall we say. I think so. I think now's the time as a professional community. Yep. We put corticosteroids under the spotlight a little bit more than we have done in the last 70 years mm. and reflect where do they sit now in, in a contemporary MSK practice? As we've moved on so far, I think now's a useful time to do that. And we may not know all the answers, but that's yeah. science. We never know the answers. We're always developing new understanding as we go. But in the face of kind of emerging evidence about the potential harm, which we've always kind of assumed, now seems a good chance to do that. And in the Therapy Live talk, we'll go into a little bit more detail to help those that are attending just have that appreciation of the evidence of where we're at, where we're at with these injections and can have better informed conversations with more confidence with patients to engage in a truly personalized approach, adopting shared decision making. It's definitely a great way to plug the event and your talk. Um, and I've just double checked, your talk is going to be on uh, 9.45 um, on the advanced MSK practice stage. Um, the date of Therapy Life is the 24th of June. We have got a lot of, um, sort of sessions on that day. And Nick, uh, Nick's session is going to be one of them on the advanced MSK stage. Nick, I don't think this is the first time that you've um, presented at Therapy Life. Is that right? No, it wasn't. I think a couple of years ago, um, there was a pelvic health focus, wasn't there? Yeah. I think it was uh, pelvic tendinopathies a couple of years ago. Yeah. Area of mine. 
Yeah, and I think you've definitely sort of coming to this year's um, sort of talk definitely as a different sort of role because um, I know you've talked a bit more like um, you are an injector and you're also promoting like a course or you're leading a course. Is that right? Tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, so um, over the last couple of years, it became really apparent that, that there was no real course available for injecting clinicians and non-injecting clinicians to develop their, as an update course for those that have been using it for a while, but also those clinicians that were on maybe an FCP portfolio route or those working MSK services. We just wanted a, a better ability to have conversations with patients. So it's a half-day course, three and a half hours online, um, and I'll be putting the link uh, with some of the learning outcomes and the link to the upcoming courses um, at the end of my presentation um, for Therapy Live. So if you're interested, need an update, or just want to know a little bit more, then certainly I'll signpost um, the audience to that as well. 100% definitely want to look out for. Nick, thank you very much to um, co coming on to this um, Chewing It Over session. Where can people find out a little bit more about you? Like what's your social me media handle? How can people Yeah, find probably um, Twitter at Nick Libidas. So as the name is spelled and LinkedIn as well, those are probably the best two, uh, best two avenues to, to find you. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Nick, for coming on and we'll see you at Therapy Live. Take care. Look forward to it. See you there. Bye now. There are two things that all MSK therapists have in common the world over. They love free trials and exercise prescription. So if you're a Cairo, Physio, Osteo, or some sort of Oskaisio hybrid, then head to rehabmypatient.com forward slash physiomatters now and get three months on us of the best exercise prescription software available.